Jeremiah 15, verse 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. Woe is me, my mother that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I have not lent nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. The Lord said, have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? Can one break iron, iron from the north and bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as spoil without price. For all your sins, throughout all your territory, I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. For in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name. O Lord God of hosts, I did not sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because your hand was upon me. For you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now as we come to these words which are dark and heavy? Would you help us as we come to these words that speak of a deep sadness and frustration? I think many of us can relate to them this morning. Many of us can resonate with Jeremiah here in this chapter. And so would you help us? We are trusting that this is a message from you. We are trusting that you speak into this deep darkness. Would you help us this morning to see and to trust your light? Would you open our lives to the work of your spirit? That we might be led to repentance and to mercy and a transformation. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah is burnt out. And for good reason. His performances have not been well received by critics or by the crowds. As you can imagine, when you tell people that God's boiling pot of judgment is about to be poured out on them, they don't tend to stand up and applaud. 
It doesn't give you five-star Yelp reviews as a problem. Jeremiah has consistently, and you see this all throughout the book, he is consistently rejected, sometimes violently. And we find him here in chapter 15, hurt, lonely, scared, angry, and tired of it. He's burnt out. He's done. He's had enough Not only of this job, but of life in general. Can you relate? Can you relate? I can. There are times when what comes out of my mouth sounds a lot like this chapter. Woe is me. My pain is unceasing. I have a wound incurable. I can relate. Can you? Jeremiah's call as a prophet was unique, but his pain wasn't. We may not suffer to the same degree that Jeremiah suffered, but we all still suffer. If you attempt to live a life of faithfulness to God... Perhaps you won't experience the extremes of isolation and opposition that Jeremiah faced, but you will face loneliness and struggle. And there will be times when you've had enough. So what do we do? What do we do with those times? What do we do when we are woeing our lives? What do we do When we are hurt and lonely and scared and angry and tired of it. Well, I I think this text can help us. I, I think we can find some help here in Jeremiah's interaction with God and in the pattern of this text. There is a rhythm here, isn't there? A rhythm of speaking And listening. So, in response to our pain, we need to speak and we need to listen. First of all, speak. Jeremiah does not suffer in silence. He articulates his disappointment, his frustration. He articulates it with brutal and raw honesty. And as he does that, he identifies a tension between past and present. Verse 16 stands out in this text, doesn't it? Because it's positive. It's happy. He says, he says I ingested God's word, his message, his promises. And I found delight. I found the joy of belonging to God. But that all is all in the past tense, isn't it? And it's in the past tense because Jeremiah's identification with God's message isolated him from his community. Verse 17, he says, I sat alone. He is isolated and he is alone. And so now in the present, overwhelmed by the persistent pain of that isolation, he cries out and he 
curses his birthday, verse 10. He begs God to intervene with vengeance, verse 15. And then finally, he wonders about the reliability of God himself. Verse 18. Will you be for me a deceitful brook? Jeremiah is talking about streams in that part of the world that are called wadis. And these streams, when the rains come, they fill up and they look like rivers. They look like like a reliable source of water, but just as quickly they dry up and disappear. And Jeremiah says out loud, now written down in inspired scripture, God, are you like that? Are you like that? God, have you lied to me? Have you dried up and disappeared? Now that makes me uncomfortable. Jeremiah, I'm not sure you should be talking to God that way. Here's the problem with my discomfort. The Bible is full of people who talk to God that way. The technical term for talking to God this way is lament. And it's all over the Bible. Read the book of Psalms. Read the book of Job. Hear Jesus in the garden and on the cross. God, where are you? Why haven't you done what you said you would do? God, I am so lonely. I am so scared. I am so angry. Where are you? Jeremiah joins that heritage. He is a part of a long line of articulate grievers. And it's a distinct characteristic of this book. This is not the only place in Jeremiah that he talks this way. And in that way, it is a little like the Pixar movie Inside Out. You know where we get a view of people's internal emotional life? We get that in Jeremiah. We get that in this prophet. But not through animation. But through his words. He takes his emotions, his deep emotions, and he brings them out. And he speaks them. And here is the key. Here is the key to lament. He doesn't only speak them to us. He speaks them to God. He is inside out with God. With his disappointment. With his frustration. With his loneliness. Even with his anger. Do your conversations with God have that same candor. Are you inside out with God? With your words expressing your sadness, your disappointment, your frustration, your loneliness, and even your anger? Are you that honest with God? Now, Some of you astute readers, I can hear you saying, wait a second, wait a second. Didn't Jeremiah sin? 
And yeah, God does, as we'll talk about in a moment, God does call Jeremiah to repent. But the point isn't to avoid what Jeremiah did. It is to learn what Jeremiah learned. It is not to dig through his words and say, that one was sinful, that wasn't. I can say that one. No, that that would be like saying, I'm going to be an NBA-level basketball player, which is ridiculous enough. But I'm going to be an NBA-level basketball player, but I'm never going to take a shot in front of a coach. Because I don't want to get it wrong, and I don't want to be corrected. The point is to bring our honesty to God and invite His correction. Invite that call to repentance. If you don't trust me, and if you don't trust Jeremiah, you're Presbyterian, so you have to trust John Calvin. (laughs) And writing about a lament psalm, writing about these painful times, Calvin says, we are all too apt at such times to shut up our afflictions in our breast. A circumstance which can only aggravate the trouble and embitter the mind against God. What's he saying? He is saying, your grief, your disappointment is like a balloon in a pool. And you can try to push it down. You can try to hold it down. But if you do, that pressure is going to exert itself somewhere. And it will end in bitterness against God. So let it up. Let it up. Open your heart and cry out to God with your pain. Even if you have to repent of it later. Open it up in full, brutal, and raw honesty like Jeremiah. Now, that's only one step. And this is a two-step dance. So, second step, we need not only to speak in response to our pain, but we need also to listen. Yes, Jeremiah does not remain silent, but neither does God. Neither does God. God does not remain silent in the midst of Jeremiah's pain. And notice, as God speaks in this text, He doesn't say, Jeremiah, stop your whining. It's not so bad. Jeremiah, it's not as painful as you're making it out to be. You're being negative. That's not what God says. God accepts what Jeremiah says. And then God responds in two ways. The first, as I've already mentioned, God God responds with confrontation. He does confront... Jeremiah. The message that Jeremiah has been delivering to the people is now delivered to him through the voice of God. Jeremiah, repent. Return. The prophet has been walking towards not only grief, but despair. Despair of his own life. It's hard to read verse 10 as anything other than suicidal. And despair of God, of God's trustworthiness, 
of God's reliability, of God's goodness. In chapter 2 of this book, Jeremiah had criticized the people for forsaking God, who is the fountain of living water, for their own broken cisterns. And now Jeremiah is in danger of doing the same. As he, wander, as if he wanders, if God is a deceitful brook, he is in danger of turning away from the fountain of living water. And God intervenes. And he says, Jeremiah, turn around. Jeremiah, don't walk that way. But as God confronts, he also comforts. He says to Jeremiah, turn. And then he tells him where to turn. Or perhaps better, to whom to turn. And God's comforting message in this text is nothing new. The voice of God in chapter 15 simply reiterates the voice of God in chapter 1. Do you remember God calling Jeremiah? And he says to him, before I formed you in your mother's womb, hear the echo of that in this text, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I consecrated you. I set you apart for this task. And I have put my words in your mouth. And yes, you will stand in opposition to this people and they will stand in opposition to you. But Jeremiah, I am with you. And because I am with you, you are like a fortified city, an iron pillar, a wall of bronze. That imagery is repeated twice in chapter 15. Jeremiah, you're a wall of bronze because I am with you. Jeremiah wants to revoke his beginning. He wants to revoke his birth. And God, in response, takes him back to the beginning. And he says, Jeremiah, remember, remember, remember the call. Remember the promises attached to that call. Jeremiah, remember who I am. Remember who you are. And remember who I am for you. God takes Jeremiah's gaze and he lifts it up. And he says, Jeremiah... Eyes right here. Eyes right here. Remember who I am. And remember who I am for you. Jeremiah speaks from below. He sees and speaks from below. And his pain, it is not untrue. His pain is not invalid. But his perspective is limited. His perspective is limited, and so God intervenes from beyond. And God has the last words here, doesn't He? And they are the beautiful last words. I will save. I will deliver. I will redeem. I was tempted to call this chapter Jeremiah's Hamlet moment. This is his to be or not to be speech. Questioning whether existence is worth it or not. But that's not quite right. Because Hamlet stands on a dark and empty stage and delivers a monologue. Jeremiah enters a dialogue. 
He does not stand on stage alone. He stands with God and has a conversation. And that's what we need to learn from him. We need to learn to bring our disappointments and our pain into conversation with God. And you know what? Sometimes our trouble isn't that we struggle to speak. Sometimes we can complain loud and long. And you know what? There is a time for that. As I've already said, there is a time to honestly articulate our pain to God, to cry out to Him. But there is also a time for us, like Job, to put our hands over our mouths and to be quiet and to hear the reminder of the mystery of who God is and the power of who He is for us. Yes, you need to speak, but you need also to listen. And ultimately, the reminder for us, the memory for us, the reminder that God brings us back to is the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the message of the saving word of God, not just spoken, but embodied in the person of Jesus, who was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. The eternal saving word of God became flesh and suffered with us. Suffered like us. And he not only suffered with us, he suffered for us. So in our despair, we can turn. And we can hear him saying to us as the final word in the conversation, I will save, I will deliver, I will redeem. And he has given to us a conversation partner. God's own spirit. Romans 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit of God poured out on us by Jesus is within us, and within us, He groans. He groans when we don't even have words for the pain. But He is also within us, saying of God, Abba, Father. The Spirit is that persistent Whisper who God is for us. Will you listen? In the midst of your pain, can you quiet yourself enough to hear the Spirit saying, You are His, you are not alone will not be abandoned. I will save. I will deliver. I will redeem.
Can you quiet yourself this week enough for that voice to resonate in the core of your being? Eugene Peterson, in his book about Jeremiah, tells the story of Rosie Ruiz. And in 1980, she won, although she was unknown in the, in the running world, she won the women's portion of the Boston Marathon. Amazing accomplishment. Only it wasn't, because it was found out that she snuck in just for the last mile of the marathon. Don't you wish life was that way? One easy mile and then victory? But you know it's not, right? You know it's not, and it is, that is certainly not the life of following Jesus who calls us to take up our cross in order to follow Him. No, life is a marathon, and many of us this morning, we feel as if we're in the 13th mile and we're lost, and our bodies are shutting down, and our energy is gone. And in those moments, we need to learn to put one foot in front of another with the steps of Jeremiah. Speaking, listening. Speaking, listening. Honest articulation of our grief and disappointment. And then enough silence. To hear the presence and the promises of God. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't take the pain away. But what that does is it will teach us to drink deeply from the one who is not a deceitful brook, but who is for us the fountain of living water and who will sustain us to the end. Let's pray.